glad to be at worship? Amen. God is so good, and He's always good to us. If you uh, have been with us, you know we're studying in John's Gospel. We're in chapter 12 today, so if you want to make your way there, if you have your Bible handy or your device, or you just want to see the passages on the screen. But today I want to talk about worship, and worship isn't a spectator sport. I watched the Arkansas Razorbacks yesterday, and I was simply a spectator, and an aggravated spectator at that. We just didn't show up. But when we attend worship, we are to sing. We're to say amen. We're to participate. But I think if you could see yourself sometimes on a video screen, you might see that you have a sour look on your face. And you don't have joy as you should have joy when we come to worship. Because when we come to worship, we're coming to lift up the name of Christ. And too many people come and they look at worship as a spectator sport. The worship team is here to sing to you. And that's not the way it is. There is an audience of one, and that audience is the Lord Himself. And each of us, regardless of how well or poor that we sing, we should be singing, lifting up our voice, We should be saying amen and praise the Lord. Sunday morning service should be a happy hour, but often it looks like some of us have the crossbones and skull of a poison bottle on our face. And we need to learn to worship. Paul Powell said these words, The 11 hour a.m. worship service should be a joyous, happy hour, But for many churches, it's become a dry, formal, monotonous experience. We need our Sunday morning to be a celebration and a happy hour. Therefore, we need need you to be participants. And I think our worship team would agree with that. They see if you're singing or not. And we need to be worshiping. The late, great coach Bud Wilkerson said this. He said about a football game. There are 22 men on the field in desperate need of rest. And there are 50,000 people in the stands in desperate need of exercise. And I think that's so true. When we come, we should be ready to worship and lift up the name of Christ. And the correct model is we lift up our voices to Christ himself. So we don't need to sit and watch. We need to participate. We need to sing. And I have been told I have one of the worst voices that people have ever heard. And there's a lot of truth to that. But I am not singing for you. I am singing for him. And we need to remember that. And lift up our voices. So I want you to stand as we read about this story that we all know about. 
and it's the anointing at Bethany. Then six days before Passover. And remember, Passover, that's when Jesus is crucified. So, less than a week before he will go to his death upon the cross. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the hair, or the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but me you do not have always. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to understand what it is to truly worship you, to lift up your name, to understand, Father, how we are to praise you and you alone, how we are to honor you and you alone. And Lord, give us the wisdom and the knowledge to come to a 1030 worship service and sing our hearts out and lift up our hands if we feel led, to stand to our feet and to look to heaven and realize, Father, you have done everything for us. And it is our response to you that shows our adoration our praise, our joy, and our love. And help us to do this in truth and in spirit. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Mary came into the room, and she was preparing Jesus' body for burial. And she came in and anointed his feet, In the other Gospels, you'll see she poured it upon his head. And she was preparing Jesus' body for burial. She's the only one that got it. Everyone else, they didn't recognize the fact that Jesus was going to go to the cross. He was going to give up his life. It just went right over their head. But she understood. And she comes in and anoints him with the very best thing that she had. So let's learn three or four lessons from Mary today about how to truly worship. The first thing I want you to understand is a description of worship. A description of worship is what transpired that day. The worship isn't a religious word. For many people think that uh, we just worship. We come and we sit. But for believers, we come and we worship God. People worship a lot of things, but there's only one thing that's truly worth worshiping, and that is the Lord himself. So we come and we lift up the name of Christ. 
That's why the Lord gave us the Ten Commandments. And he said, you are to worship me and me alone. You're to worship. In other words, there's nothing else in the universe that is worthy of worship or praise other than the Lord himself. That's why when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he said in Matthew 4.10, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And Jesus was saying, there is only one person to worship. And Satan was desiring the worship of Jesus. And Jesus said, there is no one worthy of that worship but God himself. Worship, I guess if you were to describe it in just a few words, I would use these words. Worship is an encounter with the living God. That's what worship is. H.A. Ironside said these words. Worship is an expression of our heart's adoration. Adoration is what we feel. And worship is what we do when we feel that way. So we are to worship God as we come into His presence. And many people come on Sunday morning with an emotion but it's not, it's not the proper way. That What we need to come with is adoration and awe and praise and lifting our hearts to Him and desire and expressing our adoration for God. Because when you truly adore someone, you're willing to do anything to please them and to honor them. Worship is an act and an attitude. It is an act and an attitude. What are some of the attitudes that we represent when we come and we worship Almighty God? Well, there is love. There is fear. There is adoration. There is praise. There is the attitudes. And then there is the emotions. But we express that. How, how do we express all of these emotions, all of these attitudes? Well, it's, it's like perfume on Jesus' feet. Mary was anointing him for his burial. She was doing all that she had. And you know why she had that very costly oil of spikenard? She had that because it was going to be her dowry when she was married. But you know what? She recognized the fact that many of us do not recognize that when we are in a relationship with God, it is the bride and it is the groom. And he is the groom, and the church is the bride, and we are to come, and we are to worship him with everything that we have. How do we do it? Well, we do it by singing. We do it by praising. We do it by praying. We do it by kneeling. We do it by bowing. There's a lot of different ways to express our adoration to God, but we are to come and we are to express it. And do you know in the Bible... That worship is never a noun, it's always a verb. And you know what a verb is, don't you? It's an action word. It's an action word. It, it's something that we are doing. And, and as we come and, 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 and worship Him, we come with an attitude and an act of worship. In fact, in the Old Testament, the book of, in the, which is written in Hebrew, the word is sakah 
which means to literally bow down. It means that we are to bow down and worship to Almighty God. And as we worship and we bow down to Him, He gets honor and He gets glory. It literally means to plant your face on the earth. I remember reading Adrian Rogers when he gave his life to Christ as a minister of the gospel. He said he was out on the football field as a 17-year-old man, a boy. And, and he, he said he just knelt down, and then he bowed down, and he didn't feel he was low enough, so he dug a little hole in the field and put his face down in the hole. And he was worshiping God and bowing down and honoring Him. He felt like he could not lower himself enough because God deserved all honor and praise and glory. And he planted his face there in that field. And for the next 60 plus years he served the Lord by preaching the gospel and as we come and we honor the Lord and understand what true worship is we understand that it's what I give back to God it's not what I get it's not what I receive because so many believers are like give me give me give me and that's not worship worship is what we can give back to God what we can say, Lord, this is yours. In the New Testament, the word for worship is proskeno, and it means to kiss toward. So we are to bow down and kiss toward our God. We're to, we're to bow ourselves as low as we can and kiss toward Him. Our worship belongs to God only, and we come and we say, Lord, everything that I have, I give to you. You are the greatest love of my life, and I bow myself down and I kiss toward you. So that's a description of worship. Secondly, the demonstration of worship. In the demonstration of worship, what happens is Mary came in to that room, and all of the disciples they didn't sit around the table. They reclined at the table. And as they were reclining at the table, it wasn't proper. Listen, it wasn't proper at that time for a woman to eat with a man unless it was her husband. But Mary comes in the room. Martha's been serving, which Martha, every time you see Martha, she's serving. Every time you see Mary in the New Testament, you know where she's at? The feet of Jesus at the feet of Jesus because she is worshiping and honoring Him. Now think who had been, who was around that table that day. Lazarus was around that table. Lazarus had been dead and now he's eating with the Lord. When you read the other Gospels, you find out that this was in the house of Simon the leper. Simon the leper was a walking dead man and you have the Lord who raise the dead and heal the man who had a death sentence and they're all there celebrating around the table and they were reclining and, uh, and as Mary came in that alabaster vase that she had of nard it was from India it was very costly and she brings that nard in and she breaks that vase and she begins to pour it out first on his head and then on his feet. And then she takes her hair down. And listen, for a woman, 
You didn't take your hair down unless it was in front of your, uh, your husband. And she takes her hair down and she begins to wipe Jesus' feet to dry them with her hair. A terrible breach of etiquette during that day because Jewish women never would take their hair down except in front of their husbands. But she took it down and began to dry his feet. And this demonstration of worship that she was worshiping the Lord. Imagine the disciples, they're shocked, and they begin to criticize in verse 5. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? That was a year's wages. That was what she had. Why was it not sold and given to the poor? Judas asked that question. And Jesus said in verse 7, let her alone. For she has kept this for the day of my burial. You see, she recognized the fact that no one else did. That Jesus was going to go to the cross and she was anointing his body. It was a real demonstration of worship. How can we transfer that into our lives? That we worship God? Well, number one, she demonstrated unrestrained love it was unrestrained love she didn't care what anybody thought you know sometimes we're so caught up in worship service by what someone else might think of us that that we won't raise a hand that we won't say amen that we won't stand to our feet we 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 keep silent when we should say amen or praise the lord or thank god for your goodness she couldn't hold it back And when we truly come, and it's not a spectator sport, but it is truly divine worship of Almighty God, we can't hold it back. Why did she do it? Well, in John 11, 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, which was Mary and Lazarus. Jesus loved them, and guess what? They loved Jesus in return, and she could not restrain her herself listen we may not have a lot in common but we do have this in common god loves us he loves every one of us and we are to love him too and that's what we have in common he's given his life that we might have a relationship with him and we're to come into his very presence and you know why it's because he first loved us Galatians 2.20 said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, listen, who loved me and gave himself for me. When you think of that, you ought to say, Amen. Amen. To be loved like that. I think, I think of Romans 5.8 that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves us. And our natural response should be, Lord, I have unrestrained love for you and I don't care what anybody else thinks.
Love always leads to expression. Love is expressed by love. It's an emotion, sure. But think about it like this. Husbands, wives, children. You need to express your love toward one another. You need to say it, but not only say it, but live it out. And it will make an incredible difference in your relationship. Sometimes I don't think we recognize how much we care for someone until they're gone. We don't recognize what they mean to us. Take time and express it. And Christians, express your love toward God. Secondly, she demonstrated unashamed humility. Unashamed humility. She was willing to risk embarrassment. Are we? Sometimes we need to bow down if we're able. Sometimes we just need to say, Lord, I'm bowing because you're the boss. And you are in charge. And I recognize the fact that I am not. So I give everything that I have to you. Because that's what Mary did. She bowed down at the feet of Jesus, showing who was the boss in all of her humility. And she was saying, Lord, I love you. And she was saying, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I only have eyes for you, Lord. And you know what the text tells us in Hebrews? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. That's what we're to do. We're to look at Him. Let me ask a question. How many times have you been in a worship service and cared more about what someone thought than what you should be doing. Seriously. Well, if I stand, what are they going to think? If I lift my hand, what are they going to think? If, if, if I say amen, what are they going to think? If I say praise the Lord, what are they going to think? Well, let me ask this question. What does he think when we refrain from giving adequate praise and honor. Because it's not what others think, it's what he thinks. Listen, even if you can't carry a tune in a bucket like me, lift your voice in praise. Sing. Say thank you, Lord. Because as we learn, it's not going through the emotions or just the motions, but it's making contact with God in worship. Thirdly, she demonstrated unlimited sacrifice in verse 3. She took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And here's the phrase, and the house was filled with the fragrance of, of the oil. Listen, as I said earlier, she was keeping that 
for her wedding day. That was her dowry. And she decided that it was more important to give it to Christ and to anoint His body than to give it for a future husband. You see, I want you to hear this. Are you listening? You don't come to worship service to get something out of it. You come to worship service to give something to it. And you hear, I hear people all the time say, Well, that church just wasn't meeting my needs. And I wonder how often you are not going with the correct attitude and you're not meeting the needs of the body. That's our adequate response. You say, John, I don't have a year's wages to give to the Lord. That's not the issue. Hebrews 13, 5. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't worry about what you can't give. Give what you can give. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about you. Give what you can. Give everything you can. It's an adequate sacrifice and praise to God. But if we're going just to get something, I'll promise you this, you'll leave empty. Fourth major point is this. Some discoveries of worship. You see, that nard was sweet-smelling. It's, it's kind of like that old commercial, a little dabble, do you? Remember that? And a little dab of the oil of spikenard would do you because it was so sweet-smelling, you could smell it. But think about it like this. She poured that entire vase out on Jesus. And what I want to do is compare worship with fragrance. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. Now here it is. Which are the prayers of the saints? <laughs> there are several words for prayers. But this word, prosuke, means praise and worship. So they were praising and worshiping. Our prayers are like a bottle of perfume that we offer to God. And it's a sweet-smelling aroma. And there are three things that we need to learn about participatory worship. Here they are, quickly. Participatory worship always has an effect on others. Right? Think about it. When you participate in worship... It always affects somebody else. And that's why, now listen, that's why we gather together. That's why it's been so hard the last two years with COVID. We're starting to gather back together again. But it's been hard, hasn't it? Because we felt like the virus controlled us. 
But there's nothing like coming together for worship, right? We encourage one another. When I see you, I'm encouraged. And hopefully, when you see me, you're encouraged. And we can encourage one another. That's why participatory worship has an effect on others. Listen, if you'd have been in the room that day, guess what? That sweet-smelling nard would have benefited you because of that odor. It would have been incredible. It would have been a blessing to you. And that's what we are to be to one another. It affects people two ways. Positively or negatively. How did it affect Judas? Negatively. You know why? He was showing his heart. And if our heart's not right, guess what? I can't believe he stood. Can you believe she raised her hand? Can you believe he said amen or praise the Lord or hallelujah? Can you believe that? Just trying to draw attention to themselves. You see, we show our heart. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't know the heart of another person. You don't even know your heart. Jeremiah said in 17.9, our heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it? So don't judge others. Listen, you just need to worry about your relationship with the Lord. He'll sort everything out. So just give it to Him. Participatory worship, real worship also pleases the Lord in verse 7. Jesus said, let her alone. She's kept this for the day of my burial. Let her alone. I love that. And we need to learn a lesson from that. Let him or her alone. They've done this for the Lord. The Lord was more important than anything, and all she wanted to do was worship him. And lastly, so I'm going to finish. Participatory worship always blesses the worshiper always blesses the worshiper. When you are participating in worship, it always affects you. You're always blessed by that. Ever notice when you lift up the Lord, He lifts you up? You ever notice that? That, that it, it, it's, 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 it's this unbelievable cycle that He gives us that when we come and we lift his name on high, he lifts us up as well. Have you ever come to church downtrodden, stepping on your lip, feeling I don't even know why I'm going today? I sure don't feel like being there. Why am I doing this? And then you leave with joy. You leave, and he's filled your cup to overflowing, and you, you're, you're like... I don't know why I felt that way. Now think about it like this. I'm going to end on this. When Mary put her hair back up, okay, and she wrapped it back up, everywhere she went for days, guess what you could smell? The fragrance of her act of worship. And Everywhere she went, it was a blessing to others because they could tell something special had happened in her life. Now, 
if a dignitary were to walk through our door, let's say our governor or our president or the past president walked through our door, what would we do? You stand, right? But if Jesus were to walk through that door, you know what we would do? We'd bow down. We'd bow down and worship because He and He alone is only worthy of our worship. And as we bow down before Him, we bring praise to Him. So remember, He is worthy of our worship, not as a spectator, but as a participant. So I'm going to ask you, as our worship group comes, participate today. Would you do that? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I pray that we would become a church that participates in worship and lifts our voice on high in honor and praise of you. And Father, I'm so grateful for those who use their skills and have the talent to truly lift up their voices. And their voices are beautiful. But for those of us whose voice is not so beautiful, let us lift it up in praise because we're singing to you. And Father, may you be glorified through all things. And I pray, Father, anyone here today that needs to have that relationship with you, they would come. Or anyone who needs to come and pray would come to the altar and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and